Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones back here today after Purdue gets its first win of Big Ten play and Ryan Walters gets his first win inside ross Stadium. The Boilermakers with a dominant 44-19 win over Illinois using a big second half to pull away and retain the cannon for yet another year. We're going to break it all down here today, talk about how Purdue got back in the win column, ending a little two-game losing skid. Lots to talk about here. I'm going to talk about where Purdue goes from here. Uh, Purdue looked like it got a little bit better. Uh, So some thoughts, some observations, some notes, all of that here to come. Real quick, if you don't follow the show on Twitter, please follow along at Boilers Beyond. Always feel free to send questions over on Twitter there. Um, You can email me as well, boilersandbeyondpod at gmail.com. Send any questions, comments, concerns over on either of those, and you will want to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Lots of stuff coming to you throughout football season, two episodes a week, and as I record this at 8.30 a.m., the calendar has turned to October. And for many of you, that means that basketball season is just a month away. We will have our annual deep uh, Purdue basketball preview episode coming this month during Purdue's bye week. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts because there's a lot of good stuff coming. And if you enjoy the podcast, tell a friend. Referrals are the best way to grow, grow the show. I always appreciate it. Send the show over to someone who may enjoy it. I appreciate all of you who have listened throughout the first month of this season. But Purdue gets this win 44-19 over Illinois. Purdue's continuing to dominate this series. Uh, It's funny, you know, you look at back-to-back weeks now where Purdue gets blown out by Wisconsin and it just feels like more of the same. But when you look at this rivalry, the I-74 rivalry between Purdue and Illinois, Illinois probably is starting to feel that way about Purdue a little bit. Uh, Purdue's won four in a row, dating back to 2020 when Purdue won over in Memorial Stadium. Purdue's won seven of eight, dating back to the epic double overtime win in Daryl Hazel's penultimate game at Purdue, the legendary icing the kicker that Daryl Hazel did there. And Purdue's won 15 of 19, If you go back to, uh, I want to say the Kyle Orton days, I think that 0-1 loss by Brandon Hance was was a real real dagger in his time at Purdue. But Purdue has absolutely dominated this series, and Purdue needed this win in the worst possible way. You know, I... I tweeted out earlier this week asking if if this game was a must-win for Purdue. And like 85% of you said, yes, it was. I agreed. Uh, I agreed. Purdue absolutely needed this game. You know, I've said all along that this season is not all about the wins and losses. That's a tough way to evaluate year one. But you needed to see some progress. You know, you wanted to see some proof of concept. And I think on Saturday, you saw it on both sides of the ball. Purdue looked good on both sides. Purdue was clearly the better team. You look at, you you just look at the stats. Purdue outgains Illinois, not by as much as you may think, but Purdue outgains Illinois. 
Purdue looked like the better team. Uh, Illinois did not did not look particularly good. Purdue did. Uh, Purdue was clearly the better team, and that's something Purdue really needed. Now you have the fans feeling good. Uh, you had a good crowd in Ross Aid Stadium. They leave happy. You're two and three. It's not exactly where you want to be. You'd like to be three and two, but beggars can't be choosers. Purdue gets what it needs. I thought the biggest storyline coming out of this game came in the post-game press conference when Ryan Walters came out and said that he was calling the defense uh, in the game yesterday. They, Kevin Kane and Graham Harrell both were moved up to the box. Uh, obviously, Harrell still calling the offense from up there. But, you know, that was kind of the big story, if you ask me, because that's a pretty big... You know, you document the Walters era and what's going on and how how things are going. That's a pretty big shift. And I tweeted yesterday, I have no problem with head coaches calling one side of the ball. This was kind of always something that folks talked about with Jeff Brom a little bit. I know some folks didn't always love that he called the offense and felt that it took away a little bit from his his overall game management. I never minded it. You know, you have to own your identity as a head coach. And for Ryan Walters, so much of his identity comes from the defensive side of the ball. I don't have an issue with it. And I think Purdue's defense looked pretty good yesterday. It certainly made some plays in the backfield. It was disruptive. Illinois' offensive line wasn't great, but it it pounded them up front. This is not something you can flip-flop on, though. This can't be something where Ryan Walters calls the defense here against Illinois and then Kevin Kane calls it the next two games and you come out of a bye week and if Purdue's defense doesn't look so hot, then it's back to Ryan Walters. That's not something I think you can really flip-flop. You really have to stick to something and, and roll with it. If not for the entirety of your career, you know, at least for the rest of the season before you reevaluate. I really don't think that's something you can flip-flop. So that's going to be something I'm interested to see moving forward. You know, he brought up that Kevin Kane can see things better from the press box. Naturally, you know, I agree. Um, Purdue's no stranger to this conversation. Remember back in 2019 when a big storyline coming out of the loss at Nevada to open the season was Nick Holt being sent up to the press box. He wasn't very happy about it. That led to a long season between Brom and Nick Holt. Ultimately, you know, Nick Holt leaves after the season. So I'm not by any means insinuating that that's going to be the case here. It's just interesting to note, you know, this isn't the first time we've dealt with that at Purdue. Um, Purdue got a big game from Yanni Karloftis. It was a bit of a surprise to see OC Brothers on the injury report. I don't know exactly what's going on there, uh, unless I completely missed something, which I might have. I would not put it past myself to have just completely whiffed on that. But that was a bit of a surprise, and it opened up the opportunity for Karloftis. He took advantage of it. He had a really, really nice game. I think it's really nice to see, let's see, Karloftis here, eight total tackles, got a tackle for loss on that fourth down stuff. Uh, had a sack in the game, 
really good game for him. I think it's nice to see him start to carve out his own identity. You know, he was a pretty highly touted recruit when he came in, a four-star recruit who had a lot of, you know, a lot of hype around him, mostly because of his last name, too. And a lot of the conversation over the last two, you know, spring practices has been, well, how, where's Karloftis at? How's he stacking up? Are we going to see him? He's not his brother. He's not George. He, he's not going to be a first-round pick. That's okay. You know, that that's okay. He doesn't have to be. Inside linebacker seems to be a good spot for him. He's really bounced around throughout his entire career. But he looked good on Saturday. I think that was a real positive. I think he's someone that, you know, clearly, if Brothers is healthy, is that number two guy in the inside linebacker spot. I think it's clear that he's jumped above Clyde Washington there. And if you're Purdue, that's a very, very welcome sight. He's a guy who's still got some time left for you. He's a guy who, you know, you can build on and can be a part of this defense moving forward. That was really good to see. I think when you look at this defense, Nick Scorton is just scratching the surface of what he can be. He was everywhere on Saturday. And to this point in his career, a lot of what you get from Nick Scorton is just sheer raw power. He is not a guy who has a tremendous amount of finesse to his game yet. He's still pretty raw. But man, he is powerful. He is he is very capable. Uh, he had a big sack on Saturday. He had a number of pressures. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to pull up the pro football focus numbers to see how many pressures he had. But um, only two pressures, I guess. That's not as many as I thought. But he was a monster, nonetheless. You know, him and uh, him and Cadron Jenkins have been an excellent combo at the outside linebacker spots this year. That's been really good to see for Purdue because the interior of the defensive line is just okay. It's not horrendous. It's not awful. But it hasn't been great. It's good to see the outside step up and play well. Uh, that was a good game for both those guys. You know, all in all, this was not some game-changing or season-changing game for the defense. Uh, Markevious Brown really struggled in coverage. He got burned a couple times bad. Got away with one or two of them, too. Uh, that could have been That could have been a lot different. But I will say, that guy's a really good tackler. He had a couple of good tackles on the outside and, of course, on the corner blitz where he got a strip sack. That was really nice as well. That got Purdue on the board. That got Purdue momentum when it really needed it in the game. This game was one where it, early on it looked really bad. Just the quality of football being played in the first quarter, first 20, 25 minutes of the game, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty at all. And until Purdue had that 21 nothing third quarter to pull away, it did not look like it was going to be, you know, one for the record books, one for the memories. But, you know, credit to credit to Purdue's defense because it came out in the second half and it did a really nice job to hold up against Illinois and give Purdue's offense the ability to go win the game. You know, on the offensive side of the ball, I, I thought Purdue looked pretty good. I thought Purdue did a nice job 
at being balanced on offense, a really good effort on the ground for Purdue. And that's that's two games in a row where Purdue has ran the ball particularly well, flirted with 200 yards again. That That's something that Purdue doesn't do a whole lot of. And you've had two straight weeks where Purdue's ran the ball really well. I think it's clear at this point, Tyrone Tracy's Purdue's best running back. Um, I, it's not at all what I expected coming into this season. I did not expect this to be the case, but he has been fantastic for Purdue. He, you know, 112 yards and a touchdown. Now he's scored in all five of Purdue's games. He's been excellent. I, I know I've talked a couple times about how it's just a shame that it took so long for him to get moved to running back. Man, he looks great there. Uh, it's good to see at least, you know, in his final year of college football, he's going out on a really strong note. I thought Purdue probably should have gotten him out of the game earlier than it did. He played pretty late into this one, and you didn't want to see him get hurt, but he looked excellent. Uh, he is he's a real asset for this Purdue offense. And, you know, Devin Mockaby put together a nice game with the caveat, another fumble. That's six fumbles in five games now for Devin Mockaby. And that's becoming a real, you know, a real five alarm fire for you there. He looked good running the ball otherwise, you know, 14 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown. That's pretty good. He was running hard. Obviously, the guy's not trying to fumble. I don't want to pile on because it's not fair to him uh, that no one's trying to fumble the football. But Purdue's got to gotta get a solution there. Uh, this this can't continue for Devin Mockaby. This can't be this can't be something that happens every week. And now, you know, that's four of the five games this season where Mockaby's had a fumble. Um, there's certainly frustration mounting there on his part, I'm sure. Time will tell, but for right now, I think Tyrone Tracy's Purdue's number one back. I think Maccabee's your two. And Dylan Downing has done some nice things as the third running back. You know, he had a 16-yard run, uh, four carries for 30 yards. He looks pretty good. He looks pretty good. Um, there's, there's not much to say there. Purdue ran the ball very effectively. And I thought in the past game, it was encouraging to see Purdue find ways to get the ball to its best player, Deion Burks. Five catches for 83 yards. I guess the little jet sweep-ish touchdown was categorized as a pass. As I was looking at the stats, I couldn't remember if that was flipped forward or backward. But, you know, Purdue found a way to get him the ball. And he's a really, really dynamic guy. You saw him on that deep ball going up towards the north end zone. That was a really nice catch. Then he has the end-around touchdown that was nice. He's a good player. Purdue has to find a way to get him the ball more. It did. That was very promising. We still didn't see much of a rotation at wide receiver. That continues to befuddle me. Jaden Dixon-Veal got on the field a bit. In garbage time, Jerron Tibbs made his debut, true freshman from Cathedral High School down in Indianapolis. That was good to see. He's a guy who got some buzz in fall camp. He's a guy who could have a really nice career at Purdue. Something to monitor moving forward from the past game, Max Clare left the game early with an injury. 
no clue what's going on there. Purdue's not going to talk about injuries. We probably won't find out much until next Saturday's injury report. If it's serious, we'll probably get an update. You know, if he's out for an extended period of time, I'm sure Walters will say something there. But that's not good to see. You know, he's been uh, he's been really good. He he's been a really nice revelation for Purdue this year. Garrett Miller's still kind of getting back into the uh, getting back into the swing of things, but he looked good. Drew Bibber got some action as well. So be interested to see what Purdue does at tight end, especially if uh, if Paul Paferi remains out. He has not played yet this season. Uh, special teams, you know, not much to say. Julio Macias looks good. Knocked one through from 40 yards. Uh, he's He's been solid for Purdue this year. He's been really good. We'll see what happens if Ben Freehill comes back. Uh, does Purdue have a little bit of a competition there? I think it might. It, it just might. Julio Macias looks like he's got a huge leg, too. That kick from 40 might have been good from 55. That was a boot. That was pretty impressive. Uh, Hudson Card, you know, looked solid again. 18 for 26, 217, a pair of touchdowns. He looks good. He looks good. He does not look great. He does not look elite to this point. He has not had that big coming out party of a game yet. I'm curious to see if we end up getting there. I don't know that the next two games really present big opportunities for that, but, you know, this was a really good win for Purdue. This was a good all-around effort. These wins are important against your peer programs. The schools like Illinois, Indiana, we'll say Minnesota in there. Uh, you could talk me in, obviously you need to be better than Northwestern. But schools like a Michigan State even. You know, as you go into the expanded Big Ten, those are the schools you're going to be competing against for that middle of the pack of the Big Ten. To be, you know... When you just rank them 1 through 18, those are the schools you need to be better than to try to crack that top nine. It's really important for Purdue, especially a school like Illinois, who it's going to go head-to-head with and recruiting a ton, to show that you know, you're the better program of these two. Critically important win. Purdue needed it in the worst possible way. Purdue got it. And Illinois does not look good. I'll acknowledge that you know I don't want to take anything away from Purdue here Illinois looked horrible um, Altmeyer is not particularly good he doesn't have time to do much behind that offensive line that looked absolutely terrible Illinois ran the ball fine but the defense isn't great Purdue did you know Purdue kind of won at the point of attack when I didn't know that it would they kept Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph fairly quiet. Newton did go out with an injury for a little bit, but he came back in the game. That was the key. Purdue could not get exposed at the point of attack too bad. Purdue didn't, and you saw what happened. This is a very limited Illinois team, but a lot of the teams Purdue's going to play from here on out are limited. I don't want to get too, you know too crazy here you know I always had I had a high school baseball coach that would always say never two up never two down and you don't want to get two up after one win against a team that's not great but when you look ahead 
I don't think there are a ton of teams left that Purdue can't hang with. I think you got two, Ohio State and Michigan. I don't think Purdue can hang with them, but I think Purdue can hang with everyone else, and that starts next week at Iowa. It won't be easy. Hope you have your Peacock subscriptions ready for that one too, but you know, there's a path here for Purdue to finish the season really strong. Um, we'll see where it goes. I, I'm not going to, you know, make any sweeping judgments yet, but there's a lot of football ahead of this team. And as the calendar turns from September to October, the first month wasn't what you hoped for. I would not say it was fantastic for Purdue, but you know what? You're at two and three. You are where you are. And it's, it's a long season. It's only three months in duration. I always say, you know, you only get college football on a quarter of the Saturdays of the year. But Purdue is, is weathering the storm a bit. Purdue bounced back when it needed to the most. So that's all I've got for you today. Sorry, I meant to tweet out for questions last night, but didn't. Um, a good effort from Purdue. I think you saw a lot of things that make you optimistic about the rest of the season and make you feel good about the improvement going on over in the Kozich Performance Center. So that's all I've got for today. Thank you for spending time with me. We will be back here in the middle of the week to preview Purdue at Iowa. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond, and send me questions for that show. Anything Purdue football-related is fair game. Send it on over. Uh, at Boilers Beyond on Twitter or Boilers and Beyond Pod at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing and tell a friend if you enjoyed the show. I always appreciate you guys who listen and hang with me through the ups and downs of the season. Until later this week, enjoy your weekend and take care, guys.